people who are joining us online from wherever you might be. And if you're watching this uh, on iTunes or on Dharma Radio after the fact, welcome as well. The sutra is timeless, so there's no early, there's no late in this text. I'm going to have you turn to a different page, sorry. Um, you need to turn to page 22 and 23. Arsha, Arsha, Sanya. Tonight we're going to move through the numbers, Buddhism by the numbers. We're down at the very bottom, the last stanza. Pusa Xiu Zhi Si Qin Hong. Okay, we ready? Here we go. Pusa Oh, let's see. We're going to do it with our melody, aren't we? This is our chanting, so let's see if we can do it. Pusa Shanzu gan li shi shan xiu. Gan li shi shan xiu. Qi jue ba dao yi ru shi. Qi jue ba dao yi ru shi. The Bodhisattva cultivates the practice of the four right efforts. Unwholesome dharmas are gone and goodness grows. The bases of psychic power, the roots, the powers, he skillfully cultivates them all. The seven awakening factors, the eightfold path, are also that way. Okay. By the time we get to the fourth ground out of ten, our bodhisattva has made some decisions. One of those decisions is he or she is going to rescue living beings. That's the important second half of the bodhi resolve. And in order to rescue living beings, he's got to have something that works because the reality that he's facing is that being born in a body is painful because it goes bad. So what's he going to do? How is he going to rescue living beings? How is he going to uh, get people to believe what he says? He needs some special power tools. Definitely does. So this fourth ground is where he starts to learn. Uh, I left out a piece. Not only does he need power tools, he needs a teacher who can show him how to use them. For example, if somebody hands you a chainsaw and you've got to buck up a cord of wood, you better learn how to use that chainsaw. Otherwise, you're likely to do injury to your leg. So these are... Chainsaws, these are power tools for helping people wake up. So the Bodhisattva needs the tools and instructions. That's what he decided, that's what he discovered. 
as he, she was uh, cultivating along. I need to know the Dharma and I need to find teachers. So he, here is where he um, has got the tools. And they come in a list. And I guess I'm not that familiar with the Theravada tradition to know whether there's lots of lists. I know there's the Four Noble Truths. There's four. You get a four. There's the Eightfold Path. There's eight of those. And I know there's uh, um, 25 Buddhas' names that you chant. And there, you know, there's a lot of lists. When you get to the Mahayana tradition, to our Chinese tradition, you run into lists of things. Great lists, great numbers of things. And right here in our fourth ground, you, while I was in Australia, uh, you all went through the main body of this fourth ground. You were exposed to 37 dharmas. 37. Not 36, not 38, 37. They're called variously by different names. San Shi Qi Daopin. The 37 um, categories of the Dao Pins, or 37. Um, exemplary factors of the Tao. They're also called Sancha Chi Jejer, the awakening pieces. Chi is like a branch. Sometimes called limbs to enlightenment. 37 limbs to enlightenment. Sometimes they're called the Sancha Chi Puti Fun Fa. They have a different name. The shares, a fun is a portion. The portions of the 37 portions that lead to bodhi, to awakening. Sometimes they're called the wings of awakening. So limbs of enlightenment, wings of awakening, bodhi shares, bodhi awakening portions, all these different names for this list. Why is that? Why, why so many names? I think it's because they have been around a very long time. And over time, things that are used a lot get called different different names. One example would be anybody ever try to work with herbs? If you try to work with things that are grown in nature that heal illness, you discover that people call them different things. When you go into the mountains, people call it uh, slippery elm. And then you go out in the flats and they call it Indian paintbrush or they call it uh, uh, Indian cure-all. And then someone else gets it and they call it by the Latin name. You know. So it's uh, things, get, things that are used and loved get named different names. The 37 limbs of awakening are like that. They've been loved and used and rubbed up until they shine for thousands of years. And so they have all these different names. The Buddha used them specifically to teach people to wake up. There are some great stories about these about these. Buddhism by the numbers lists. These are lists of dharmas. And what is this? This is not beginner's stuff. What do beginners want? Beginners want to know how to meditate. Mostly. When they come in the door of the Berkeley Monastery or they call on the telephone or check us out online, mostly if they're Westerners and they're fresh or if they grew up in this country, they want to know how to meditate. Um... If they're Asian Buddhists, they, meditation might be okay, but 
more often than not, they want magic. They want something easy and quick that you do to make it okay. You, the power guy, and that would be me. Right? Do magic, because we expect that. Meditation, don't know if they trust that. You can go wrong, catch a demon, says Asian Buddhism. So who's right, who's wrong? I can't judge what people grow up with. Um, I just know from my point of view, magic is not what I understand the Buddha taught. It's a large part of Chinese culture. It's a large part of Vietnamese culture. Probably Thai culture, Cambodian culture, Laotian culture, has to do with Buddha Dharma mixing with the local beliefs and becoming something other than what the Buddha taught. Is there magic in the 37 limbs of enlightenment, 37 wings to awakening? Can't find it. There's nothing that somebody else does to make it all right. Or somebody with power makes things change. Can't find it. It's all do-it-yourself, hard work, changing. <laughs> it's the Buddha Dharma in these lists that is from India, from the Buddha, in the Mahayana tradition, all has to do with you get out, take your eyes off your phone and your iPad and your computer screen, and change your bad habits. Change. You know, make it, do it different. That's what I see in the Buddha Dharma. It's do-it-yourself. So this is DIY. Do it yourself. This Buddha Dharma is DIY to the core. You all familiar with the maker's culture, the do-it-yourself? Don't wait for something at the, the, the store shelf. Go do it yourself. That's what these are. Do it yourself. What are they? Let's, let's identify them. What's neat about this verse we just read? Of the 37, 33 are named in here. The only four that are not are last week's verse. What was last week? Um, four stations of mindfulness. Those are the first four of the 37, and they went in that verse. Those are kind of the, the granddaddies of the other ones. But in this next single verse, we get mentioned all 33 of the other ones. Here we go. Okay? The Bodhisattva, what does he do? He cultivates and zhi. He, make, he regulates, he sets to right, he um, tunes up. To jir means to like get it right, to correct it, to put it in shape. He cultivates and puts in shape four vigorous practices, the four strenuous practices. And we're, we're just going to name them here, right? Ufa chu mie, shan zheng zheng. And evil goes away, and the good grows. Do you all remember what they were? Now, we're not going to test you. I know you didn't bring your notebooks. I don't need my notebook, Dharma Master. I took notes on my iPhone. My notebook. There it is. My virtual digital notebook. didn't write it down. I typed it in. That's what I do. I, have, I got mine right here. <laughs> I use it a lot. So it's, it's always handy, and you type it right in, and it, it even looks like a notebook. So how nice is that? So um, if you don't have that, let me tell you what they are. These four, well, let's just step back. Last week, last week, the four, we call them pure abodes, 
which are four contemplations. Remember, we ended the lecture last week with the idea that body, feelings, thoughts, and dharmas. Body impure, thoughts or feelings all wind up unsatisfying. Thoughts don't last. Dharmas have no fundamental identity. So, body, feelings, act, dharmas, and, and body, feelings, thoughts, and dharmas. That's a, that's a Buddha dharma. The four, the four places of mindfulness, the four abodes, four pure abodes. That's a real Buddha dharma. The Buddha actually taught that. Four things. He gives us four. He says, look at it. These are all contemplations, ways of using your mind. You put your attention on your inner eye, you know, kind of the, the eye of your heart, and you go, yeah, I'm looking at things. What are you looking at? My body. My body doesn't, it's not pure. It tends to get smelly and fall apart as it ages, as it gets healthy, sick, sick and healthy, hungry, thirsty. Number two, feelings can't get them. They're always shifting. Love turns to hate. Joy turns to sadness. On and on and on and back. They're not, they're, they lead to a place of cool, dukkha. Feelings are dukkha. They don't satisfy. Thoughts, if you watch, if you turn your inner eye, you notice they come and they go, 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 like waves in the water. That's a Buddha Dharma. And then Dharmas have no intrinsic self. This is what you call a bell. It's got this thing, you call a handle, but somebody else would say, no, 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 that's a tree. Why? It's wood. That's a tree. Well, it was a tree. Now it's a handle. Somebody else goes, no, it's not. That's hydrocarbons. That's fiber and hydrocarbons. Burn it and it'll burn. You know, it's, not, it's, it's hydrocarbons. And you could say, no, it's not. It's atoms, elements, molecules. You know, you go on and on and on and on. So what is it really? So it's no fundamental bell beater handle in there. That's what we call it when we shape it that way temporarily. It's a bell handle. So dharmas have no self. Even the hydrocarbons of the wood, you analyze them, they're little molecules. You know, nothing has an intrinsic thing that you look at. This is fundamentally this. You apply that same principle, you apply it to your body, there's no self at home. Right? That's a Buddha Dharma. That's a Buddha Dharma. It's a way of looking. It's a contemplation. So, body, feelings, mind, thoughts, and dharmas. So there's the first of the 37 limbs of awakening. Does that sound like magic? No, it's not. There's nothing magical about it. It's the Buddha's wisdom. It's wisdom. And it's the way he said we start. So here's, here's a genuine Buddha Dharma, four things, my gosh. But the, the thing is, when you apply those, when you actually look at those four things, they totally change the world. You're different after you see the world that way. Your body's different, your feelings are different, your thoughts are different, the world around you is different if you'd use that. That's pretty magical all by itself, but it's not magic. That is to say it's cause and effect. All right, there's four. That was last week. So now we got 34 to go, right? What are they? Line three. Shenzhu, there are four. Gun, there are five. Li, there are five. All skillfully cultivated. Qijue, there's 
seven limbs of enlightenment, and the Ba Dao, there are eight. So we add 15 more. There's all 37. 37 limbs of enlightenment in one, actually two verses. Pretty neat. That's what we're talking about. Here's Buddha Dharma. My goodness. The Buddha Dharma is full of numbers of things. All kinds of methods. And why is that true? You could say, this is one way to explain it. It makes sense if you say, the prince had such a fire burning in his stomach to understand how to end birth and death. Remember, he was back in the palace, things were good, until one day he realized they weren't good. He was going to die, he was going to get old, he was going to get sick. And he left the palace determined to wake up. I'm going to wake up. I've got to find a way to do it. I've got to figure this out. Got to do it. And so he went out, and they say over six years, he looked and looked and looked and looked, and nothing worked. He went to all the teachers, all of them in the forest, one by one by one. They didn't take him to that ultimate place. And his fire to learn didn't go away. I've got to figure it out. I've got to learn. I've got to know how to end birth and death. And this is a smart man with a lot of strength and vigor and, you know, clarity. So he looked and looked. And when he discovered it, it came in transforming desire and purifying body, mouth, and mind. And then going from precepts to concentration and then wisdom resulted, that was the big discovery. Big discovery. But guess what didn't go away? His desire to learn didn't go away. And he gathered all the things that he now saw inside, and he left them behind for us. You don't like this one? Try this one. That one doesn't work? Try this one. What flavor do you like? You don't like this flavor? Here's one for you. Try this one. All of these 37... And the 84,000 other ones, 83,969, 63, all those other ones are equally good methods, if you like them. So I think that's why we have so many. Because he was a genius for teaching. And he, he was so concerned about us waking up that anything he saw that worked, he talked about it. But where did these come from? Did they come from other teachers? Maybe but I think these are principles. They came from inside. He looked inside and said, here's how it works. Here's a door to your nature. Here's a door to your nature. Here's a door to your nature. Come in any door you want. Pumant, it's the universal door. Right? Whatever door you want to come through to get to your own nature, come, please. That's, that's I think, where this came from. So, 84,000, right? 37 practices and most people come to the Berkeley Monastery and say teach me how to meditate make it easy and quick I want to get enlightened this weekend I don't have time so you say well there are 37 limbs of enlightenment 37 I can't count without my calculator I've forgotten how to count I let the machine do it for me so yeah when they come in the door and stick around <laughs> Long list of things. This is a pretty long list, the 37. Um, we hear about the Eightfold Path. 
the 12 links of conditioned awakening. Man, the thing about them is, though, that, that I've discovered, and just by listening to Sherfu teach, when you take one of these lists and really look into it, something opens inside. They really do link. We, we now know links that you click on, right? You click on this link and it takes you to the website. Now you have a QR code, right? You just hold your phone up and it, look at that square and takes you right to the website on your phone. So when you take one of these Dharma lists and go back to it, something opens inside. They're incredible. They're incredible to open up a door to your nature. They are really fa-man, dharma doorways, dharma gateways. They open up. They take you in if you go, if you're willing to go. So you want to go through one? Let's, let's work on one. I wanted to pick out one tonight because it's such a, an amazing list. The problem is if we go through it, we probably won't get very far in our text. So, so let's go down through a few more and then come back to it. But I wanted to take everybody through the the seven Bodhi shares, the seven limbs of enlightenment, not the 37, but the seven. Because one of the funny things about this list is the 37 wings of awakening contains smaller seven wings of enlightenment as one of the components of the 37. It's on the last line here, the seven awakenings, that's the one. Shares the same name. It's the seven limbs of enlightenment within the 37 limbs of enlightenment. So that's kind of funny how it's got these, the small inside the big. Can we turn over now to 24 and 25 and then we'll come back to our seven limbs. All right. To rescue living beings, he cultivates those practices, protected by his basic vows with compassion foremost. He seeks omniscience in the Buddha's countries. He's mindful of the Tathagata's ten kinds of power. We've uh, got more lists because on the fourth ground, the bodhisattvas, insatiable, not to say greedy, but insatiable, can't learn enough of these methods to teach because why? He's, he knows he needs them all. He needs them all to help beings across. So it says, In order to take beings across, he cultivates those practices. Banyan hu. His vows protect him and kindness and compassion are number one. They're the, the head. They're the first. Protected by his basic vows, that's really interesting. Um, protected from what? Um, protected from getting lost. Protected from attacks by his own bad karma or demons or negative influences that might want to move him away. Those things can happen to advanced cultivators. Uh, his vows are like a compass. He always knows where north is if he's got his vows intact. So he can find his way back when the sea gets rough 
Anybody see the, uh, the video of the tornado passing over the shelters uh, in Oklahoma City, in Moore, Oklahoma? There's this one video I saw yesterday. It just was posted recently. This, this guy uh, stuck his phone out a crack of his shelter as the tornado itself went over his house. And uh, to see this, you can see the swirling clouds and feel the energy. You can feel it as much as see it. It's, uh, it's nature and you've never seen. You, know, you don't get to see a tornado go right overhead. Usually you're down with your face in the dirt, down in the basement. Then in Ohio, I w- went to our shelter in Ohio, Toledo, when tornadoes went right overhead. It wasn't a Category 5. Uh, it just brought down trees and power poles, but uh, sounded like a train going by. That, it was that noisy. Like that. But in this video, you can see it. You can actually see the swirling wind go by. So when that happens, you need to keep your compass. You need to remember that this had a beginning. There was a time before it came. There will be a time when it's over. Put it in context, it's not quite so scary, even though it's scary to see nature that, that wild. So, that's his vows. His vows are that compass. He can always find his way back north. He seeks omniscience in the Buddhist countries. Here's an interesting line, and um, this is not the time to go deeply into this, but I had this awareness when I was contemplating two weeks ago already the, uh, how to talk about the creation of the world at the Shivananda Yoga Ashram with Jewish scholar, the astronomer, and the Hindu Swami. Thinking about the ways the Buddha talks about the creation of worlds, here's one. So the topic was, what's the Buddhist notion on where worlds come from? What do Buddhists say about the creation of the world? And I came up with this. I told people, I said, I could give you five now. And there are that many because the Buddha was telling different people different stories depending on what they could hear. And as I was looking at my choices, what am I going to say? I only got you know, 45 minutes to talk about it. I came up with one that I thought, now that is interesting. And I don't dare talk about it. Why? Number one, I don't understand it. Number two, nobody else is going to either because this is a um, not intermediate, this is a like advanced Buddha Dharma. And what's it called? Fasten your seatbelts. It's called transference. Wait a minute. We talk about transference all the time. How is that an advanced Buddha Dharma? You don't understand. I lecture on the chapter called the Ten Transferences at CTDB all the time. It's because this is happening all the time. As I study the Buddha Dharma after 37 years, something that I've been saying every day suddenly will open up and I'll look at it and I realize, oh, this is deep. And I've been skating on the surface of it. Okay, what is it? It's two words. 
求一切智及佛度 ，Buddha lands。佛度 ，it could say 佛国 ，be the same。It could say 佛刹 ，be the same。Okay, what is it? Here we go. And we say how many times? We say 愿以此功德庄严佛净土。Don't we? May every living being, our minds as one and radiant with light, share the fruits of peace. It's may I adorn Buddha lands with this merit that I have cultivated. That's a transference. What are you saying? Well, I'm adorning a Buddha land. <laughs> What do you do? You're painting it? No, I'm adorning it. Oh, you're putting up a wreath. Maybe those like Christmas lights, you know, on strings that you put along the rafters. What does it mean? Well, we just say it. We that's a formula, that's a jingle, that's jargon language, that's Buddhist、uh, shop talk. Adorn a Buddha land makes no sense to anybody, right? How do you adorn a Buddha land? I haven't got a clue. Well, it's not entirely true. I have a clue, and let me give it to you. Suppose you swap out. Adorn, and you take Zhuangyan and translate it with a different word, such as create. And then suddenly it's like, is that what we've been saying all this time? May I take all this merit? I vow to take all the merit I've been making and build a Buddha land. Oh, what does that mean? That's Buddhist creation theory, right there. And you go. Whoa, that's interesting. Can I explain that to the Jews and the Hindus and and the astronomers? You try, but I don't. I think they would hear in my voice that I don't really know how it works. Exactly. Where do worlds come from? Name one. Amitabha's Pure Land. How many times of the day, if you're a cultivating Mahayana Buddhist, you go, Namo Mitova, Namo Mitova, Namo Mitova, Yan Sheng Shi Fang Jing Du Zhong. May I be reborn in the West? Right. We talk about the Pure Land all the time. Where did the Pure Land come from? The Bikshu, who we we talk about as Dhammakara Fazang, said, "I want to make a Pure Land where there's no suffering. So I'll transfer all my merit from three great Asankhya eons of cultivation." He was creating a world. Create is what we're saying, not adorn. Adorn sounds like paint. We're going to adorn it, make it prettier, put some purple flocking on it, and you know some nice hedges in front of it. No, that's superficial. It means make. May I transfer this merit to make a Buddha land? How does that work? Answer is it's the mind. Scratch, scratch. How much can you scratch till you figure that out? Scratch, scratch, scratch. I don't know. The mind is powerful, isn't it? The mind can make a Buddha land. What's a Buddha land? I don't know. But I'm glad they're there. You know, here's the sutra. So this is profound, and we just go happily. Yeah, and eat sugong the. You know, what? I want to make a Buddha land. I want to make a world with my merit. Oh, go for it. Do it. Jayo, Jayo, Jayo. What's it going to be called? Oh,、uh, Berkeley, California. You know,、uh, uh, Cancun. You know, Seattle, Washington. 
Why not? What's your Buddha land going to become? So, how interesting. Paradise Island, the Bahamas. You know, yeah. So, that's what it's talking about. The Buddhist creation theory is you can make a world with your mind. Why? The Buddha Dharma is wonderful. That's the truth. And if I said that to the astronomer who's out there explaining the Big Bang, right? This guy looks at the most a telescope that was built for $300 million and he goes to his office every day, turns on his computer in Cambridge, Massachusetts and measures the latest little increment of data coming back from that telescope out there. That's a $300 million device. He's in there telling you where the world came from, measuring the progress of the universe away from the Big Bang. That's heavy-duty funded study, you know, and he, he says, well, we're not really sure, but our latest theory says, you know. And here I'm going, no, 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 no. Your mind makes the world. Free of charge. <laughs> no telescope. <laughs> and he goes, I can't stand it. I can't stand it. You know, Either that or he goes, you Buddhists are fuzzy. You're, you're just tree-hugging, Birkenstock-wearing, granola-eating liberals. Get out of my face, you know. My telescope costs $300 million. You can't tell me the mind, you know. There I am. So I didn't say it. I didn't, I didn't propose. I gave him another theory. I said it's all made from the mind. But I didn't specify that Buddha lands come from the Bodhisattva's transference. He's adorning Buddha lands. Let's hear it for adorning Buddha lands. What is he talking about? He's talking creating a world from your transference. That's amazing, right? But that's what it says, right there. He vows, I'm going to realize omniscience like Buddhas do, and I'm going to create a Buddha land. I am. All right. That's pretty amazing, right? I mean, it's so simple and powerful, and from the point of view of Christians, Muslims, Jews, and Hindus, impossible. Show me another religion that says you make your paradise from your mind. God makes heaven. Or, yeah, God made the heaven. The first day he made the heavens and the earth. Yeah, God does it. Not you. Not you. Who are you to make a world? Okay? Don't believe me. Meanwhile, Zhuang Yan Fo Jing Du. I'm going to transfer. So that's really interesting, isn't it? And there's an example. You know, we, we say this over and over again, but what does it mean? It means you're involved in creation. If you choose to, if you tr- transfer with this dharma, you can make your world. Oh boy. Heavy duty. Who believes it? <laughs> so I say it's, it's one of those advanced, super tip-top Buddha dharmas that most people go, oh, I'm going to meditate. Good, meditate. But when you're ready, here's some other principles the Buddha saw in his nature and left for us. Are you ready? If not, don't worry about it. Someday you will be. Okay? So, what else do you do with this? That's magic. It's not psychic powers. It's the mind at a level of power and purity and concentration when you do it. 
So, okay, you get my irony here. This is like so amazing to find out what it's really saying. What's it really saying? The Buddha Dharma is more magical than any individual with psychic power who's going to heal you by reciting a mantra. Don't, don't believe it. Cultivate your mind. Okay. Furthermore, more, there's more to come. He remembers, he recalls the Tathagata's ten kinds of powers. Here's a list. Man, this list. The Avatamsaka Sutra points to this list all the time. The Bodhisattvas and the Buddha's ten powers. Ooh, man. When you get into this, they are entirely methods for teaching. They're ways that a bodhisattva and a Buddha, there are two kinds. There's the Buddha's ten powers and the bodhisattva's ten powers. And these are methods for teaching so that you know what to say. You know exactly how to um, say the things you want to say so that living beings will go, oh, I get it. I hear it. They're kind of like... um, what would it be? Doctors, good doctors, let's say Chinese doctors. A really good Chinese doctor um, uses a variety of methods to diagnose what's wrong with you. None of them involve plugging anything in. There are no scopes, you know. There are no CAT scans. There are no expensive, noisy tubes that you run your body through. and Not anything wrong with those. If you get a embolism on your brain, you're going to want a CAT scan. But Chinese doctors, in, in this has been true since the Huangdi Neijing Suwen, the Yellow Emperor's classic of internal medicine, which has been around for 3,000 years. The, the really good doctor, the best doctor, looks at you and can tell by looking. They're using special vision. The next best doctor smells you. You can tell by smell using a different sense, right? And they can tell. Mm, little burn, too much fire. You know? The next doctor will have you speak, and they can hear what's wrong, where you are too much or too little. They use their ears to diagnose. The next best doctor can... Uh, uh, how does it go? The diagnoses are sight, smell, sound. They don't taste. No, nobody tastes you, no. But um, they they say the yeah that but that's I'm getting there but I think there's one more yeah maybe there's just four the last one the said to be the crude the really rough if you can't do the rest is pulse so you know so like a really good doctor doesn't have to touch you they just know they look they listen they smell and they know where you're wrong and where you're right. Furthermore, they know where your disease is going to develop. They know how you're going to be later, you know, what diseases you're going to get. So, using all these different kinds of diagnoses, the Chinese doctor goes, oh, you know what's wrong? You're out of balance here, and if I do this, I'll put you back into balance. So they maintain your health. They're not necessarily curing, they can cure your disease, but they're balancing you. To put you, so all the disease symptoms go away. Now, 
that's really skillful healing and you wind up well. The Bodhisattva uses the ten powers of the Tathagata to find out your psychic, your invisible health and then speaks the Dharma to balance you, to lead you forward to awakening. These are diagnostic tools by and large. Look what your capacities are. He can tell what you like. He can tell what you know just by looking, by using these ten powers. Then he knows exactly what to say so that you believe him, her, and wake up. Now, put a face on it. Suppose that was your mom that the Bodhisattva was working on. Suppose it was your spouse who you just can't figure out. You don't know why they do the things they do, but if you could say the right words, you could wake them up so they'd change their habits. How wonderful is that? Your teenage children, you would know exactly what to say, what to do to help them wake up. To get your parents to stop fighting, right? Know exactly what to say. Wow, how valuable. So that's the ten bodhisattva's powers. Amazing diagnostic tools. The bodhisattva needs these if he's going to Hua Zhongsheng, take beings across. All right. Si wu so wei bu gong fa, shu te xiang hao shen mei yin, qiu yi qiu miao dao, jie tuo chu, ji da fang bian xiu xing xiu hang bi. The four fearlessnesses, the uncommon dharmas, the most special marks and characteristics, the deep, beautiful voices. He also seeks the wondrous path, the stations of liberation, along with great expedience. He cultivates these. Four kinds of fearlessness, the uncommon dharmas. These are another set of lists, right? We're going through the Buddhism by the numbers tonight. So these are special qualities that the Bodhisattva learns. The uncommon dharmas are special to the Buddha. Shu te, xiang hao. The 32 hallmarks, the 80 subtle characteristics, the deep, beautiful voices. Anybody wonder what these are? These are... Now, I didn't get them in advance. Here they are. Yan, yan, in, shen, yan. Words and voice, deep and distant. Keep that in mind. So the Bodhisattva, the Buddha, 
These are the 80 characteristics among the 80 subtle characteristics. His yen in shun yen. His the words that he issues, his the sound that carries those words are deep and distant, far reaching. Okay. Sui Zhong Sheng Zhi Yi Hu Yue Yu Yu. According to what beings like and pleases them, the Buddha speaks. So, the words he says, when you hear them, you go, eh, just, I just really like what he says. It makes a lot of sense. There's two. Yi Che Zhi Sheng Fen Ji Zu. All of the sounds, sheng, fen, jizu, are, com- are compo- complete. The Buddha is replete, full of, full with, complete with all of the sheng, fen, the components for speaking. So his lips, his tongue, etc. are all, and his voice are all just fine. Shou zu, qi fu, shen, 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 shou zu, si bian. Wang Zhao Deng Bu Sui Ah Okay Sui Zhong Sheng Zhi Yin Sheng Bu Zeng Bu Jian He accords with the voices of living beings not less and not more. They don't increase and they don't decrease. So if you like to hear Taiwanese, he speaks Taiyu better than everybody. His Min Nan Hua is perfect, just right. If you like the Vietnamese accent from Hue, Central Vietnam, just perfect. Doesn't sound like a northerner, harsh. Doesn't sound like a southerner, slippery, you know, too slick. Just right. If you come from the north, he speaks like he's from Hanoi, right? If he comes from the south, oh, perfect. That's the Buddha. And if you're a bird, it's the same. If you're a, a, a bear, the Buddha can speak bear, just perfect, right? When he speaks, he is not attached to it. He speaks the Dharma in the language that living beings can hear. The voice that he produces accords with living beings. Matches living beings. He speaks the Dharma sequentially in order, not out of order. Guan Bu okay. So those are of the 80 links. Um, let me check. So the 80 characteristics have those. Let me check. I've, I apologize for not having these at hand, but... 80 is a lot to memorize, right? So I have to punt and go for my dictionary when I get to 80. All right. 30 san shi er xiang. San shi er xiang. These dictionaries could have better indexes for sure. Page through San Yin, San Fu, San Fu, San Shen, San Chu, San Fa Yin. There we go. We know these San Fa Lun, San Mei, San Jie, San Cheng, San Mi. 
三叶三聚三轮，三轮三归三三美三智三千，三分三平等三百三。Three goods, Sanjong. Three kinds, three kinds, three kinds. Sanbushan, Sanjietuo. Ah, San. Here we go. Coming right up. Sanjrajan. Good. Okay. Which of these have to do with the voice? Feet, hands, hair pores, hair, lights. Skin, places, lion-like body, teeth, teeth, tongue. Ah, good, got it. Number twenty-eight. Fan Yin Shenyuan, Brahma sound, deep and far-reaching, just like the eighty. So in the here we go. In the thirty-two hallmarks, there's only one that has to do with the voice. In the eighty, there are five that have to do with speaking. And <coughs> it talks about how, when after he speaks, you like it. But here's the one with the voice. The Buddha's voice is a Brahma sound, meaning very pure. It's not and tongue let them talk like this kind of you know. Wonder he's been smoking too much, you know. And his voice is really pure, and it, it when you hear it, you don't hear zayin, and it's not harsh or squeaky or scratchy.、Um, sounds relaxed, and when you hear a voice like that, the vibration rate makes you calm down. That's it's a it's a fanyin, it's a Brahma sound, a pure sound, and where does it come from? It comes from The vibration of of parts of the body, the air coming in, and, but it also comes from the lungs. You know, voices come from the lungs, and you've all heard the、uh, Tibetan, the、uh, Gyuto monks who can make, you know, and there's they can make a chord with one voice, like that, and there's also、um, the、uh, Mongolian, the Tuva throat singing. T U V A, the tuba throat singers, kind of similar. They can get a sound going as they they sing、um, with one voice. And what that has to do is with is using different parts of your skull, actually, using the the nasal passages and the the sinuses to vibrate along with the the voice box and all. So the Buddha can use those. Skillfully, when necessary, but just by talking, you you get that response. It's fan yin shen yuan. It's deep and it's kind of far reaching. It's from way back.、Um, I'm always amazed at how, when you hear a voice that you know but haven't heard for twenty years, you know it instantly. Voice imprints are so profound. I wonder. I wonder if anybody's done research. I would be interested in that. How is it that 
you can hear a voice, mom's voice, for example, and you just know. You know, they, they, they've seen the penguins in South in Antarctica. They, this, they have done research here. There can be a flock of a thousand penguins and the mother knows her chick's voice. All the women are nodding their heads. Yeah, yeah, that's true. I know my kid's voice. Penguins. Out there, there's all these ocean of penguin chicks, you know. <laughs> what, what do penguins say? Or, or, I don't know. And the mother knows their own, and they can find them. And if the mother goes, ah, the baby can find her. So there's something profound about, are we seeing colors? How do we do that, that we know that special set? But we do, we do. And that's pretty amazing. There are, uh, I, if, I, if I had to pick, I've often thought this, if I were not a monk and had to pick a new career, something that would interest me would be a speech anthropologist. I would be fascinated, like Henry Higgins on My Fair Lady, what he did, I really like that. Where, that's true, I know this is true, there are men and women who, if they hear you speak, they can tell you what neighborhood in London you come from. <laughs> they can tell you exactly within like eight blocks where you were born or where you grew up. And they do these funny, you know, funny tests where somebody was born in London, but then they moved to, to, to South Africa. You know? <laughs> You've got an overlay from... from uh, uh, Cape Town, and the person goes, right, you're from Clydesdale on Hyde, but there's something else there. Right, is that uh, Cape Town? You know, <laughs> how did you know? You know, they can tell. Uh, in America, you know, you can just go around. You can go from Boston to New York. When New York, Bronx, Brooklyn, Manhattan, New Jersey, and then on down, you know, Texas and uh, South Carolina and Georgia and Texas and California, Southern California Valley Girl, and then Seattle, Canada, Eastern Canada, Quebec, and people, you know, we have all these regional differences. I would love to be, to do that, to find out more about that ability. But think about, here's the Buddha who Fan Yin Shen Yan, his Brahma sound, his pure sound is both deep and So, Shurfu said, if you can cultivate the jeweled hand and eye, the jeweled bell hand and eye, the Baodou Shoyen, to perfection, you will have Brahma sound. And everybody will love it when you speak or sing. So, he says, Shu Te Xiang Hao, Shen Mei Yin, deep, beautiful voices. Yi Qiu Miao Dao Jie Tuo Chu. He also seeks the Miao Dao, the wondrous path, meaning the Buddhist path, and the Jie Chu. Those are, what are the Miao Dao? It's Arhats. First, second, and third, fourth stage of Arhatship and the Jie Chu. Beyond Arhatship to the, um, the stage of uh, Pacheka Buddhas, 
where you're in those levels of liberation. And the expedient means that bodhisattvas use to teach. Powerful stuff. Okay, I promised we were going to go through seven. And let's go back. We, we got to, so next week we're going to go Shenjian Wei Shou, Liu Shi Er. 62 wrong views, 62 views of the body. And I'm sure when the bhikshunis and the novices were going through this, the text that introduced this, it was tough sledding, I'm sure. Because these are, these are hard. 62, 62 anythings makes, scares us away, right? 62 views of the body, wrong views, self, belongs to the self, skandhas, realms, etc. Welcome to the Buddha Dharma. Many, many lists. Isn't that interesting? Okay, so we're going to come back there next week. Now let's turn back to page 22 down at the bottom. Qi jue ba dao yi ru shi. 23. Seven awakening factors. What are they? This is in miniature form the Buddha's recipe for enlightenment. And there's a story. And you've heard it before, but it's a really good story. Anybody who's ever thought to be a doctor will enjoy this. Um, There was a sick bhikshu, really sick. And doctors couldn't heal him. And his skin was a mass of dripping, bleeding wounds. Maybe not bleeding, but, you know, pussy and smelly. And none of the other bhikshus wanted to go near him because he stunk so bad. And we, you know, when we get sick nowadays, we, you know, pretty much go to the, emer- go to the emergency room. Uh, it's rare that you see somebody who's got like open sores. Mostly we get it taken care of. But you don't see it. You don't like live next to this person. Well, in the Buddha's time and in, in uh, village situations, mountaintop situations to this day, if you don't have access to the emergency room, you see illness. Well, here was this bhikshu, really sick, really, really sick. His skin was just a mass of sores. And they didn't have bandages and running hot water and stuff. These mostly you just lie there. And over time, like three days, a week, two weeks, it gets really, really foul and stinky. I don't know if anybody's ever had that experience of taking care of somebody whose body was festering with sores. And not only that, but bugs, insects come in, right? Yick, it's really yicky gross. Or the insects come out from inside, that's even worse. So nobody wanted to take care of the monk. Well, the Buddha came along. He had heard that his disciple was sick. So the world honored one showed up. And all the monks were kind of hanging their heads because they knew that they didn't dare. They they were scared. They didn't want to deal with this gross, sick person. What if it gets on your robes and you can't clean it? 
You know, what if you catch it? Yeah. Ugh. So the Buddha, seeing the situation, said, perfect opportunity to teach, he said. So he came over and he asked about the conditions and all the pictures are going, well, well, I don't want to, I'm really sick. You know, I can see that. And did anyone try to help? Well, we tried, but it didn't get better. And, uh, well, we think he's going to die. I see. Mm -hmm. What do you all think we should do? And the Buddha, you know, the disciples are, well, we try this or try that. Nothing works. The best doctors get nothing works. The Buddha said, "Uh uh-huh. Well, do we just let him die? Well, maybe that's his karma, world honor one. Meaning, we're not going to take responsibility. Put it out in the invisible realm. And so the Buddha said, uh-huh, karma. You know you might not be very far wrong, he said. So let me talk to him, said the Buddha. So all the monks are like, what's he going to do? So the Buddha said, uh-huh, he said, so venerable so-and-so, Satyasena, he said. Can you hear me? Yes. You can hear my voice? Yes. Can you understand me? Yes. Very good, he said. Do you remember my lecture from last month? Which one? When I explained the seven factors for awakening? Yes. Can you tell me what they were? And all the monks are going, This is not the time for a quiz. The guy's dying, you know. Why is the Buddha playing with this guy? And so the the, the Buddha says, very well. He says, tell me what they were. And so he says, well, number one, selecting a dharma. Buddha said, very good. Do you all remember that? Yes, yes. Selecting a dharma, right. And the next one? The next one is vigorous practice of that dharma. Excellent. You do. Your memory's very good. Your memory's not sick, is it? What's sick? My body. Very good. What's next? Give me the next one. And the sick guy is going, his voice is getting stronger. The next one was happiness, joy, dharma joy, from the practice of the dharma you selected. Excellent, excellent. How many of you remember this? The other monks are going, well, we didn't really, we were thinking about lunch. We didn't really take notes, you know. And what else? Uh, The next, the fourth one is Ching An, peace peace and, and purity from the Dharma joy. That's excellent. You have a very good memory. I'm, I'm impressed that your memory isn't sick at all. What part of you do you think is sick? Well, my body. But when you cultivate and you reach the happiness, the Dharma bliss and the Chingan, you're not sick, are you? No. Well, what is sick? I think my karma. Correct. He said, excellent. You have real wisdom. What's number five? He said, um, Chingan Zifa. She, mindfulness, 
Excellent. Mindfulness. What are you mindful of? Mindful of my practices and my vows. Very good. That's superb. He said, what next? He said, number six is samadhi. And then the Buddha said, and the last one? And the bhikshu said, number seven is called renunciation and serenity. And he sat up and his body was well. And all the bhikshu are going, Look at that, a miracle. Right in front of our eyes, the Buddha healed him without medicine. The Buddha said, no, you're all wrong. He says, in fact, the sick person is the only really healthy one here. He said, come forth, Bhikshu. The Bhikshu got up from his sick bed and, you know, he bowed in front of the Buddha and realized our hardship on the spot. And the Buddha said, it's only because he was getting rid of his final karmic obstacles that this illness manifested. You all don't really believe in the Buddha Dharma. And if you had taken notes and memorized the seven wings of enlightenment and recited them with him, you could all be arhats too. And they're all going, let's see, the first one, the first one was uh, Dharma selection, then was number two. What was number two? (laughs) Too late, go back and cultivate. So the monk who could remember the names of the seven limbs of enlightenment was now radiant because he had broken through that illness was just his karmic obstacles finally coming for their last payback and once he was patient with the illness he was well again you know and so it's like i love that story that that's a true story and it, has, it says things about the power of the Buddha Dharma, these lists. Simply by reciting the name of the Chijajur, the seven limbs of enlightenment, the seven wings of awakening, this bhikshu was not only able to get well, he got ultimately well, meaning he got rid of all his karma, which was at the point he was ready. You know. So, how interesting. Now, Setting that story aside, if you look at the seven, you get um, this awareness of sometimes the seven are a little, you could say, vignette, almost like a script for going from unawakened to awakening. What are they? Sifa, selecting a dharma. And that's often key to practice. It just means pick one out. Pick, pick something you like. Do you recite the Buddha's name? Great. Are you a meditator? Great. Do you like to bow? Great. Are you a mantra person? Terrific. Are you a karma yogi? Do you serve other people? Great. Pick a dharma. You select what is appropriate for you. You can do more than one. You can recite mantras and sutras. That's number one. But the next one is jing jin, vigor. Once you pick a dharma, then you put it into practice. You go, you do it, you cultivate, right? So the second one is where the hard work goes in. Not magic, it's hard work. Jing jin, so you work really hard. You put it into practice. A week, a month, a year, two years, five years, ten years, cultivate it. Then... The next one, I think, is really interesting. And this is where I think many of us here are at this point, but we're still outside the door of this one. We haven't gone in the door, which is she. 
which is what dharm, we call it dharma bliss, right? Happiness. Shi, shi, puti fun fa. Happiness. And it's that when you cultivate to a level of purity, your six senses spontaneously feel joy. There's dharma bliss. What is that? It's, it's happiness that comes from the harmony of your senses with afflictions now being under 50%, right? Your afflictions do not dominate. They're the minority now. Most of your consciousness is 51, 2, 3, 60% is harmony. Mm. Like that. Your senses are like that. That's she. Then, after she, number three, you get to a place where you can enter what's called Chingan. Chingan, Shifu said, is the priest, is the, the preparation for samadhi. It's literally light ease, lightness and peace. Ching means not heavy. It's ching floating on peace. That's the fourth of the limbs of awakening. And it's a meditative state. It's not an idea. It's that your cultivation takes you to this place where you and the universe around you are in harmony. Chingan, you're very much in harmony, mellow. Nothing disturbs you because you're so much part of everything. Number five and number six are nian ding, mindfulness and concentration. You keep it in mind, you are, your practice becomes every movement. Walking, standing, sitting, lying down. You're always mindful. You never leave your focus. Ding, real samadhi happens. And the last one is really, really powerful, which is shuh. Shuh, like renunciation, we say giving. It's not really giving, it's letting go. It's serenity. You get to a place of serenity because your cultivation has now integrated you with everything around you. And that's awakening, right? That last step, you think it could be wisdom because you've gone from mindfulness to samadhi to wisdom, you'd think. Yeah, but with this list, it's a wisdom that says it's all okay. You're not even attached to your practice. Shu means you can let go even the outer appearance of being a cultivator or a practitioner or whatever. You get to this very mellow place of no self, no dharmas, no others. The Vedanta society would say, spiritual oneness. You become one with everything. And I'm probably going to talk about this on Monday. Spiritual oneness. So I'll use the f- seven limbs to do that. So how nice. That's So what is it? Select the Dharma, cultivate it vigorously, enjoy, you get to that happiness. Then there's light ease. It's another state of samadhi. Then there's mindfulness, concentration, and letting go, serenity. Equanimity, everything's okay at that point. So I say it's this little snapshot of a life of practice a life of cultivation. And that's the seven. 
stages of development of samadhi. From where we are now, pick a dharma, cultivate it, to breaking through. So, we started tonight by talking about the dharma as lists, right? The Buddha giving us all these doors that you can go through if you choose. How amazing. Go through all these. Any of them. Pick one. Go through it. And yet there are 37. These seven are the the mini limbs of enlightenment that get expanded to 37. Should you want all 37? And the Buddha told his monk disciple, just recite the names for me and you'll get through your karma. And he did. And he did. And he woke up. So how wonderful is that? Magic? Mm, Magical, but not magic. Because why? It's cause and effect. It's scientific, not magic. Okay, there we go. Amazing, fourth ground. The Bodhisattva says, does that one work for you? No? Okay, we got another one coming. How about the Eightfold Path? You like that one? No? Twelve links? You like that one? One will work for sure. Okay, 24, 25, we're going to come back there next week to continue our investigation of the 37 limbs of enlightenment. 37 wings of awakening. 37 shares of Bodhi. Perfectly in tune? Almost. Not quite perfect. So let's think of where we want to transfer the merit. One of the wings of awakening could be tuning 12 strings. By the time you've tuned them all, you should be in harmony. Jumped. Go back. There's something wonderful that uh, only someone who's got an instrument and has played it a lot will know. I think all violinists and cellists and horn players probably know this, which is after an instrument has been well-tuned and played in tune for a long time, when it's out of tune, it doesn't like it, and when it gets to tune, it it hums. It sings. Listen, I don't know if you can hear this. That's off. Here's on. Right? Hear the difference? Right, that's flat. Listen when it comes into tune. Did you hear that? It's too quiet, isn't it? Maybe you can turn it. When it gets to that place of tuning, everything else sings in harmony with it, right? Because it's one of 12 strings. Here we go. This is one of 12 strings that are waiting for that string to come back into harmony. And when it does, they all sympathetically vibrate. Instruments do that. When it's out, they can't because 
the vibrations are not triggering them. They're dissonant, right? So listen to this again. This is where it should be. That's string number two. They have to match. This one is now. Uh, uh. So that's like five cents off if people know music. All right, so I'll tune that one into tune and see if you can hear it hit the harmony when everything else goes mm, together. Listen. Can you hear that? It's pretty subtle. Maybe it's not loud, but now, now it's in harmony. Do that one more time. If you play that, it goes not happy, right? Sounds like a police siren, you know? Poli- the train whistle, the, we're, we're down at uh, Tiance, you know, the tea shop, and the train goes by. Those notes are deliberately dissonant so that they jar you and you hear it. If they were in beautiful harmony, you go, oh, how nice, and drive on the track, you know. So, and then you go, oh. So when you hear them, if you have a musician's ear, it's like, terrible. So this is dissonant. Play it together. Okay, we'll put it in, in, in harmony now. Okay, here we go. Enough of that. Sing the song already. Okay, dedication of merit. Here we go. Please put it into action by using your mind. Let's make a Buddha land. Okay? Zhuang Yan Fo Jing Du. Here we go.